You're listening to the Summer Camp Music Festival Podcast with your host, Camp Counselor Derek. Well, ahoy there, camper. I am Camp Counselor Derek. How are we doing, folks? Are we still keeping in touch with your new friends from Summer Camp 2018? Uh, So my guest today on the podcast is Mr. Ben Wright of the Hen House Prowlers. Now, if you listen to my last podcast, I gave you some of my favorite moments from camp and played a bunch of clips, so go back and check that out if you haven't. But this week, I was excited to talk to Ben because they were one of the bands that I really felt in sync with this year. Uh, They were playing what I wanted to hear and when I had the strength to hear it. And this conversation was one of my favorites, since Ben and I moved into Chicago right around the same time. So you'll hear most of that interview in just a minute. Uh, But let me just say, this band is stronger than they have ever been. They are tight. You know what? Yeah. Yeah. I'm in. She's in. We're all in. Yeah. Yeah. All five of us out there, together, in the wild, getting some strange, like a sex fist. I'm sorry, Mm, what? That's not what you mean. What's a sex fist now? One, two, three, four, five of us. Together, make a fist. You're making a mistake Schmidt, right now. Nick, Coach, Winston, Jess, Sex Fist. Oh, that's not when right. you put them all together, tearing our way uh, through the reception. Listening to what you're Isn't it sweet? Uh, it's I'm a metaphor for together. All five of us, Sex Fists in our way. Okay, first, I always want to let people know that they are welcome to reach out to me with their camp stories or comments on the podcast. Um, maybe I've overlooked some band that you feel needs to be represented here. So feel free to email me at podcast at summercampfestival.com. I feel like as a podcaster, I'm supposed to tell you to subscribe, but I assume most of you already are. Uh, But if you're not, get yourself a podcast app and all the episodes will come to you. It's like your own little summer camp network with me as your host. Happy Harry Hardon. Now I know most of you won't get that quote, but uh, some of the older listeners will. Let's see, we're on... uh... 92 FM tonight, and it feels like a nice, clean little band so far. No one else is using it, and the price is right. <laughs> and yes, folks, you guessed it. Tonight on this horny is a 10 pecker house, so stay tuned because this is a hard Harry reminding you to eat your cereal with a fork and do your homework in the dark. So for news, I can tell you that I just saw lots of pictures of Umphreys at Red Rocks, and that looked like a blast. Uh, They released their October tour dates in Kansas City, uh, Madison, Wisconsin, Chicago, Charlotte, Raleigh, Baltimore, Urbana, Illinois, and wrapping up with a couple dates in St. Paul, Minnesota. I might try to get in on that Chicago show, but uh, but speaking of, I'll be at Fish at the Gorge in a couple weeks. And as always, you all should wear your summer camp gear out and about at these events. If any of the counselors sees you wearing this stuff... uh, we have this spot a scamper promotion going on if we see you we give you a card with instructions basically we we take a picture and you post it and you get entered to win a free pass to the next summer camp and let me tell you these are not lottery number odds if you get the spot a scamper opportunity i would take it if you intend to attend camp next year there aren't more than a handful of submissions every year so uh keep an eye out for me out there And for Mo, there are some dates still on the calendar that you can hit up 
If you uh, jump on it fast, they're going to be at my alma mater in West Lafayette, Indiana on July 18th with dates in Akron, Ohio and Scranton, Pennsylvania to follow. Then it looks like they're on break until the fall with dates scheduled in New York, Oregon, Washington, Missoula, Montana, one of my favorite places, and Fargo, North Dakota, Minneapolis, Milwaukee, uh, four dates at Thalia Hall in Chicago. You can look for me at one of those. And then uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, and Charlottesville, North Carolina. And uh, here's another story for you. Recently, it was pointed out to me that I have not had any female guests on the show yet. And that is something I intend to rectify soon. Uh, But just before camp, I had inquired to my contact at summer camp about interviewing Allie Crawl of Yonder Mountain String Band. At that time, he gave me a vague answer about how he wasn't sure if we'd see Allie because of family conflicts. Well, I just caught up with Yonder up in northern Wisconsin at the Big Top Chautauqua in the Northwoods, also one of my favorite places, and uh, they announced that Allie had just had a baby some weeks back. So a big congrats to her, and I hope to talk to her in the future. And congrats to the whole band on a stellar show at the Big Top in Bayfield. Uh, I was right there in the front row with my five-year-old who was out way past his bedtime, but uh, that's what vacations are for, right? Uh, I also have some housekeeping to attend to for 2018. Here's the deal. For now, if a band from summer camp line, uh, from the summer camp lineup reaches out to me and wants to be on the podcast, I'm happy to oblige. I'm not saying I'll always be able to accommodate, but for now, I'm going to feature two bands that did reach out to me this year. Space Carnival is a four-piece band out of New York that blends high-energy disco, funk, and progressive rock. They played on Thursday evening on the camping stage. Uh, I tried to make it over there to talk to them, but it just didn't work out. But I am a man of my word, so here is a bit of their new single, Queen of Cups. I found her on a beach somewhere with a sand dollar in her hair. She looked and smiled at me, said that it was time for tea. She took me to her room and put a liquid record on, yeah. Sound vibrated my soul, I turned her and she was gone. Great. 
Now I feel like Talk probably doesn't need the extra promo from me, but they did reach out to me. So here's a bit of their set from Sunday on the Starshine stage. Okay, again, that was talk, T-A-U-K. Uh, okay, so now, now onto our interview. Ben Wright is one of the founding members and banjo player in the Hen House Prowlers. What a band. These guys have been traveling the world, uh, bringing people together through music. And as you'll hear, uh, not just through touring, but as actual ambassadors for our country. Uh, the one thing you should probably know about this interview, and perhaps podcasting in general, is that 
uh, you just like making hard choices at camp between who you're going to see sometimes you have to make hard choices when editing a podcast uh, whether it be for the good of the festival or the good of the band so there are a couple strange edits in this interview and those of you who are longtime fans of the band can probably guess what we talked about in those early rogers park days so that said here is the interview and stick around for the after the interview for the jam of the week from this year's camp summer campers i am here with ben wright of the hen house prowlers how are you today ben great cool um so uh the first question i ask everybody on this podcast is what was your first concert and and by that i mean i know i I know some people grew up around music so it's hard to pinpoint but what's the first one that had an impact on you uh, I guess the first concert I ever went to was also one that had a significant impact on me. I think I was in fourth grade, and my dad took me to see Arlo Guthrie and John Prine uh, in Pennsylvania. I remember driving about four hours from upstate New York, where I grew up, uh, to, I think, Scranton, Pennsylvania, to see Prine and Guthrie. I grew up listening to both of them because my dad was a big fan, and to see them in concert was pretty special. But I, I remember Prine opened for Guthrie, and uh, and I fell asleep during Guthrie's set. <laughs> <laughs> but I loved John Prine. Uh, I, just yeah. Of of those two, I'd rather see Prine. I mean, I like them both, but uh, maybe maybe I'm. Uh bias because Prime's a local guy but yeah she was a little hitty dancer on the road to alcohol and I was just a soldier on the way to Montreal where she pressed her chest against me about the time the jukebox broke yeah she gave me a peck on the back of the neck and these are the words she spoke blow up your chest go away you fight go to the country Playing a little boy, eat a lot of pizza, tramp and cheese on your own. That's a, yeah, very, that's a very cool first uh, first concert to go to. That's a cool one to to say. Yeah, I, I owe a lot to my dad. He's got good taste in uh, in in music, and to take and I remember it was on a school night, so he drove me. I remember we must have got back at three or four in the morning, like uh, which which is pretty crazy for a kid in fourth grade. But yeah. uh, it was it was a good thing for me for sure. Right on. And uh, so you you grew up in upstate New York, is that correct? Yeah, in a, in a small town called Homer, that's just tiny. Cool. And um, you moved to Chicago, I want to say, around 1999. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, I I thought I read uh, something about uh, that you you bought your first banjo uh, from the Old Town School of Folk Music in October of 99. That's right. Yeah, and uh, I live right – I mean, I could look out my back door and see the Old Town School. I happen to live there right now. 
Uh, and I, I walked by the, the store and I knew I wanted to play music. I think I was 23. Uh, and, but I didn't know what, I just kind of was surrounded by people who were making music all the time. And there was a banjo in the window, uh, that was $199 and 99 cents. And I, I, I had $200 in my pocket. I'd just gotten paid. And I walked in and said, uh, if you can let me walk out of here for actually with that for two hundred dollars, I'll buy it. And they said sure, and went and grabbed the case and, and gave it to me. And that that was kind of the beginning of it all. <laughs> they're they're good like that over there. Uh, well, I a couple questions now. What what was the job that paid you two hundred dollars? <laughs> I actually was taking care of the father of a friend of mine who he was uh, bedridden and. Uh, and he was he needed company during the day when she was at work, and so I would hang out with him all day and listen to him tell me uh stories from the war actually it was it was really great relationship that I ended up having with this guy. He was a sweetheart and just wanted company and uh it was it was a really good job I loved it that's that's good karma man that's a good way to get your first instrument <laughs> I guess so I never thought of it that way but but uh yeah, that's how that, you're right. That's that's actually a good way of looking at it. So I I moved to uh, Rogers Park in September of 1999. Well, where in the city did you move to? I know I know you guys played up there a lot. Yeah, I moved to Uptown actually, uh, and uh, you know I think Uptown is a great place to have exposure to Chicago for the, if you're going to live on the North side, it's about as real Chicago as it gets. And it still is, uh, yeah. you know, uptown fights gentrification, uh, and always has, and as always Rogers seems, Park. Yes, exactly. And both those neighborhoods seem to always win. Uh, you know, you'll see some fancy condo go up and you think that's the end of it, but yep. then that's the only one that goes up. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're perpetually up and coming neighborhoods. Yes, exactly. And I remember talking to people in Uptown when I first moved there who said that back in the 70s, people were saying that. Even. Like, oh, yeah. it's about to turn. It's about to turn. It just never does. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same, same with Rogers Park. And, and yeah. Rogers Park is probably the first time I ever saw you, although, um, you know, here it is 20 years later and we're actually meeting. Um <laughs> I used to go to, I lived pretty close to the Red Line Tap. I used to play open mic at the Red Line Tap. Nice. And so I actually didn't know until this summer camp that... Going up. When the band first started uh, in Rogers Park, we like there was an open Tuesday at the Red Line Tap, and there was a, several guys who had talked about starting a band. I got a phone call said, "Let's the, the night's open. Let's just throw something together." And so we played some shows. I got my I I hit my dad up again. My dad's a, an author. Uh, he's really good with words. And I said, I need a, band, a name for a bluegrass band. And he sent me this list of names. And the very last name on this long list was the Hen House Prowlers. 
and I loved it. And I said, um, that's what we're using. And everybody in the band was, I think, cool with it, you know. Uh, and so we played a few shows and people, you know, nobody came out because that's how it works. You play for, to nobody at first. And then I think the third or fourth show, I had to go to a wedding. Going down. But there's still a legion of hardcore fans that used to come out on Tuesdays. And I love all those people and all of those memories, uh, you know. And uh, and I remember one day my mom was visiting me and we were walking down the street and some guy stopped and was like, Chuck! <laughs> my mom was like, what the hell was that? Like some <laughs> random guy just stopped you and yelled out, not the name I gave you when you were born. Uh <laughs> And I had to explain it to my mother, and it was it was funny. So. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Well, mm-hmm. uh, you, you already kind of touched on the subject, so we should we should go down that road. Um, do you want to just tell the listeners uh, who aren't familiar, or who I guess weren't at your show at summer camp where you explained it um, uh, about the Bluegrass Ambassadors a little bit? Yeah. So uh, this is yeah. This is definitely kind of what I uh, the stuff I could not have ever imagined. We ended up doing. About five years ago, we got invited. Uh, we we auditioned for a uh, a State Department tour uh, to to anywhere in the world. Like it was, they don't tell you where they're going to send you, uh, but we had to learn some music from another country and then audition in front of a bunch of uh, people. It, actually, we did the audition in San Francisco, uh, and the, the long and the short of it is that they ended up sending us to West Africa for a month to be kind of uh, musical ambassadors. And we, we went to four different countries, uh, uh, Congo, uh, Liberia, Mauritania, and Niger. Uh, and uh, they would take us into these cities and set us up with local bands and give us about 90 minutes to figure out how to play music with them before we'd go on stage and perform with them. Uh, and, uh, these were, as you can imagine, just life-changing experiences. And, uh, we, it turned out it was something we really enjoyed doing. And I think because we liked it, we were really pretty good at it. And so we, it happened again the following year. And then we started getting invited on trips that were kind of the same kind of trips, but funded by individual embassies instead of, uh, by private funding it's it's kind of confusing how this stuff works but the, the what happened was we started to get asked to go on these trips fairly often and it started to become part of what we do we'd go to these countries and have and and learn songs from these countries in their languages and it it felt like such a shame to come back and just go on playing our bluegrass music and act like it didn't happen so uh it's become part of what we do at our shows to kind of talk about the places we've been and the, the amazing people we've met and the music we've learned and actually share it with people. Uh, and one of the great fortuitous things about it was one of the first songs we learned was this absolute pop masterpiece from Nigeria called Chop My Money. 
that is almost impossible not to fall in love with the first time you hear it uh, by this, this guy named P-Square. on stage with them and the, the experience the experiences we had uh have and had over there really have uh, left this huge impression on us and so that's what inspired us to start uh this nonprofit bluegrass ambassadors which really takes all those experiences we've had abroad and kind of uh turns them into various kinds of educational uh, programs that kind of, you know, start with bluegrass music uh, as like, hey, look at American folk music. And then guess what? There's folk music all over the world. And uh, you can learn a, a lot about other cultures through their music. And so uh, that's kind of what we've been doing uh, over the past year. And it's been really cool and, and successful. We just did a school program in Rogers Park uh, a week ago, Friday, uh, at Newfield Elementary, and got to go in and do assemblies in front of these kids where we taught them about uh, about bluegrass music, but then we taught them about music in West and East Africa and, and Kyrgyzstan, and got them up and doing a traditional dance, Kyrgyz dance and singing songs from Uganda. And uh, it's it's something that we just feel invigorated over, and it's this really awesome pairing with our shows because we can talk about it a little bit at our shows and there's always going to be a teacher in the crowd. And 
then we have these conversations after the show with these teachers. And the next thing you know, we're in their schools working with their kids and giving their kids this idea that not only the rest of the world exists, but hey, maybe these kids might walk out of these uh, workshops thinking, what if I wanted to be a musician, you know? Uh, and that's that's exciting to be able to do that to give these kids a glimpse at, at all those things. So that's well as <laughs> as someone who uh, registered their kid for a Chicago public school this morning. Uh, that's right. pretty exciting to hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it definitely felt really cool to be in Rogers Park, and I told the kids like we were in this in front of this group of probably 300 kids, and I said. We started three blocks from here. We were down the street and to the left was the first show we ever played. And we turned this into a career, uh, and, and, you know, and you can do that too. And sometimes kids just need to be told that. Uh, yeah. and, and, and it just feels great to be the person that gets the opportunity to do that. saxophone and then i gave it all up uh, until i bought that banjo many years later uh but you're you're right man like and that's one of the things we're starting to see as we get into schools is uh is that there's a wide variety of what's available to these kids and it's not getting much bigger especially with schools in the city and uh and so there definitely are schools that can afford to pay us to come like in the suburbs and there are grants in the city where we're actually working on some right now, but you can't go to a Chicago public school in Rogers park and say, Hey, can you give us money to come into your school? You've got to figure out a way to, to meet them in the middle. Uh, and we just did a show here in Chicago uh, at Fitzgerald's a few months ago. And at that show, we raised $1,200 outside of people buying tickets. It was literally what people gave us at that show. People threw in the hat. Yeah, and that and that got us into uh, the school in Rogers Park and then some. Uh, and so it's really great to be able to ask our fans uh, for help doing this, and people are just so behind it. It's incredible. Awesome. Very cool. Um, well, I, I, I could, we could talk about the Bluegrass Ambassadors all day, and, and <laughs> I... I, I Kind of curious what it's like to play in front of a bunch of people who've not only they not speak English but have never heard that kind of music before, or maybe even seen a banjo. Or um, yeah, but, and, 
and and we could go on about the schools for another half hour too, but uh, we should eventually get to to summer camp. Um, so uh, you guys have been there what uh, maybe eleven years? Does that sound right? I actually didn't. I usually count them up, and I didn't this time because I had so many other things to talk to you about. Gosh, is it, I mean, if it's eleven years, I suppose that's very possible. I, you know, John would know for sure because uh, he has a, a, a great memory. But I, I wouldn't be surprised. I saw a video from 2009 of us playing in the woods uh, not too long ago, and it was definitely not the first year we'd been there. So I think 10 or 11 is is, uh, is a very good guess for sure. I, I, and I'll have to go back and listen to the recording, which I'll probably cut in here Um but that one of you made a comment at the crossroads set that you'd been doing it for something like 10 or 11 years. Thank you all. I got to say, we've been doing this. is a tradition for us to come out here in the woods before we live the festival. We've been doing it for like 10 years. We only missed one year in those 10 years. And I got to say, you guys are the most well-behaved, less listening crowd we've ever played to here. <laughs>
Um, we should also tell the listeners what the Crossroads set is because that is not on any summer camp schedule. Right. Yeah, you know, <clears throat> when we first started playing there, I think the first time we we played summer camp, they kind of let us, you know, put us on the bill uh like oh that's nice bring your bring your chicago bluegrass band here uh you know we were uh just cutting our teeth and we're grateful to have be on the bill at all uh but you know it was a probably not the best time slot and not the best stage and we wanted to take advantage of being there and i had this idea that hey let's go and find a place to play in in the middle of the night because you know summer camp it's it's going almost 24 hours a day. That it is. Yeah. And so that crossroads has kind of always been there. Uh, it's this place in the middle of the woods uh, that, that is a, you know, there's camping to the left, there's camping to the right uh, behind you. Uh, and so it's just a place that you kind of walk by multiple times. And there's usually these big, bright, kind of neon lights hanging above it to give a little bit of light at night and it kind of looks trippy uh and so it's a good place for us to to get in front of as many people as possible and play uh and we that's been kind of a tradition every year now uh and right around midnight on saturday we'll go and play in the woods uh and you know, this year, I'll be honest with you, I was like, I wasn't looking forward to it this year. Last year was crazy. Like, <laughs> it's, it's midnight, it's Saturday. There's a bunch of <clears throat> not sober people around. And Fun, we're playing, as the kids say. <laughs> right, right. And we're playing, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we're playing acoustic instruments. Last year it was muddy. We got lost on the way there because I was leading the way and had no idea what I was doing. Uh, and uh, and so and we're in our suits and it's hot, you know. Yeah. And and so I was not looking forward to it all day. I swear to God, this year's Crossroads set was one of my favorite performances of the year uh, because we played the Starshine stage and I talked about it you know i i said haha we're playing a secret set at midnight at the crossroads and at this point it's a tradition people ask us about it all day but i think because i announced it at that stage a lot of people showed up that were there to see it to and see so you. Not yeah just to see, not just to see any old music but to see you guys yeah and and not just wandering by and being like oh my gosh delighted in their funness that there was something going on this was people who came to see us so they the crowd ended up kind of shushing the, the, the more wasted people. And we had this quiet, calm, listening set in the woods for about 45 minutes. And I didn't want to stop. Uh, and I'd walked in thinking, I can't wait for this to be over. And I, I just had so much fun. And it, it doubled down my commitment to doing it every year. So. Yeah, I I was I was standing standing right uh, next to you guys that whole time, and and uh, it was it was a great it was a great crowd, which you guys even mentioned that night. Um, I can cut the <laughs> clip of that in, uh, but it it was uh, yeah, it was it was a ton of fun. It was. I'm, I'm glad you guys do that. Me too. And <clears throat> and uh, and I mean, your your set on the uh, Starshine stage was phenomenal this year. I was really impressed. I I, I love the way you guys are 
integrating the other other kinds of music and uh so i yeah that's definitely one of the highlights which is uh why i wanted to have you on the podcast cool i appreciate that man that means a lot it's you know it's been a adjustment for us to change i'm not changing we're not changing our sound but we definitely have made the international stuff a part of what we do and uh and so i just i appreciate positive feedback on it for sure Cool. Are there any more? Is there any more ambassador stuff coming up in in your future, or is that on hold for now? Well, I mean, it's interesting. You know, we're dealing with a different uh, regime uh, than we were when we first started doing this stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, I, you know, we haven't gotten any phone calls lately. I don't think it's done by any means, but there's definitely. Part of the reason we started the nonprofit uh, was, A, we want to do some educational programming, but, B, we want to be, continue to do that stuff whether or not we get phone calls from the State Department or not. You know, we, yeah. we, we tour Europe a couple times a year. We have connections now kind of all over the world. I want to keep doing this stuff, uh, you know, kind of off the – it's not official by any means at this point, but we're working right now towards getting a band – that we've played with in Russia twice over here. Uh, and, uh, and that's the kind of stuff we want to do. They, you know, they have these, these things have been called cultural exchanges, but the only real exchange has come from us bringing the music back here. And I, I'd really like to bring some of the musicians back here too. So if, you know, if people want to learn more about it, they can go to uh, the Bluegrass Ambassadors website. It's bluegrassambassadors.org. Uh, and, That'll have our podcast on there too, which we're starting. I was starting. just going to say you should yeah. plug that. Yeah, uh, we, you know, we've we've met tons of people <clears throat> all over the world, and so uh, I've decided to start doing a podcast, much like yourself. Before we started this, we were nerding out over the kind of stuff we use, uh, but uh, we, it's it's just called the Bluegrass Ambassadors Podcast, and you can find it on pretty much every podcast, iTunes and you know google play everything and uh the first interview i did was with this guy we met in dubai uh united arab emirates who came to one of our shows and he was like <clears throat> it was this show with all these saudi arabian guys hanging around kind of looking at us like what is this and uh and he was in the crowd yelling out uh old yeah. in the way songs for us to play. <laughs> and uh, and he's from india he was wearing this big red turban uh, but it turned out that he had his own band in Dubai that plays the dead and, uh, and Doc Watson and all these different things. And so it's this, I, he was the perfect guy to interviewed for the, for the first episode because he's from a different way, different part of the world, but loves the same music that we do and, uh, kind of exemplifies what the point I'm trying to get across in these podcasts. What exactly does music mean to you as a musician, but also just as a, as a human being? What does music do for you, and, and how does it uh, enrich your life? So I think, Ben, for me, certainly, like I said, you know, music is therapy uh, in many ways. It, uh, it, you know, I think it's so important to have something outside of what you do day to day to be able to take your mind off all of that and, and be able to go into a different world. So that's what music is for me. And and what I found is that, you know, it's it's really, it's it's communication at the end of the day. Um, you know, I 
I do travel. Um, you know, I've traveled over the years. I've traveled back to the states, um, and I've you know every time I I come to the states, uh, we tr- I try and hook up with these two friends of mine who who are both musicians. One is Dave out of uh, out of uh, Buffalo, and then there's Chris, who lives in uh, in Boston, is also a musician. And whenever we get together, we sort of end up doing what we did in college. And uh, you know, when you sit down and you start to jam, and you know, you sing those songs. It's like no time has passed. You know, it's just everything fits. You know, it goes and you go back 20, 25 years with, you know, effortlessly. So I think it's, it's you know, it is communication. I think, you know, people, um, people played together. People, you know, made music together more. I think the world would be a better place. You know, it sounds a bit concise, but uh, I, I, I honestly think it would work. I 100% agree with you. I've seen that firsthand. So, so yeah, that's... There's links to that on uh, the bluegrassambassadors.org website as well. So check it out. Uh, I definitely recommend people check that out. I, I, I love that you can go to another country and somebody plays dead songs and is yelling out bluegrass songs. You know, I mean, I guess those two are directly related. Um, I, I just got to mention, because I feel like it's kind of related, I was listening to the, the Tom Marshall podcast, who's uh, one of the guys who writes uh, songs for Fish. And, right, uh, right. The most recent one is really good. It has Trey Anastasio on there uh, for summer camp listeners. But um, he, he, uh, I guess Fishman, John Fishman, the drummer for Fish, had uh, told Del McCurry, oh, I learned to drum listening to you guys. And they right. said, yeah, I, I think he said it to Ronnie McCurry. And, and Ronnie said, well, we don't have drums. And he said, yeah, I know. I made them. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That and, makes, that's cool. It does. It, it, it like it, it kind of blew my mind. It was like, oh yeah, Fisherman's a brilliant man, you know. Um, sure. But I love how everything just all kind of ties in together, and, and you know, always one of the beauty, beauties of summer camp is that you can see the hen house prowlers and walk around the corner and see Cypress Hill. Yeah, boy, isn't that exactly how it works? I mean, I, I love that too. I saw. I walked by Cypress Hill and was listening to, like, jamming along to hits from the bong and then walked to the VIP tent and saw Leftover Salmon. And, yep. uh, you I know, did the and same. We were probably yeah. in step with each other. Right. And, and it's, uh, it, that is one of the beautiful things about that festival. Uh, one, one of them. It, you know, summer, summer camp's big. And and as I get older, it it, it whoops me a little bit more. Yeah. But yep. <laughs> there is no wider breadth of music and culture, uh, you know, like at least, yeah. I mean, they really own trying to bring in all sorts of different kinds of music there, and I really respect that about the festival, and that's why I love playing there. It really is. Yeah. Did you hear that uh, leftover was going around caroling that night after they played? <laughs> no. Vince, uh, so one of, the, one of the other counselors who had an RV said, you're not going to believe what happened. Last night I got a knock on the door and I opened it up and there's Vince Herman and some of the guys from Leftover and they played a quick three-minute song and walked away. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Uh, you, That's great. If you uh, if you do tire of the crossroads set, there's always that. You guys can always go around caroling. It's <laughs> a great idea. All right, man. Well, I know I've kept you beyond the time I promised, but it's uh, it's really good to talk to you. And uh, you too, man. Uh, we will uh, be looking forward to next year. I assume you guys will be back. You guys are a fixture now, right? 
Yeah, it feels that way. It's it's that's definitely an honor. So All right, man. Well, uh thanks for thanks for talking to me today and uh good luck with all your uh with your bluegrass ambassador stuff. Uh everyone should listen to your podcast and uh if you want to check out the Henhouse Prowlers tour, it's henhouseprowlers.com. You guys will be around the Midwest upcoming Illinois, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Missouri. That's right. And uh yeah. big plans for the fall. Uh, yeah, I'm actually sitting here working on, like, uh, upcoming fall Europe tour and, uh, and plenty of shows in the U.S. too. So, uh, de- definitely stuff coming up. Uh, and I believe in 15 minutes, we're, they're announcing we're playing Shoe Fest, uh, at, uh, which is one of our favorite, another one of our favorite festivals here in Illinois. So. Well, it's a one-man exclusive then, since everyone else is going to hear this at a week or two. If you can, yeah, if you can release this in the next fifteen minutes, you'll you'll get the, the jump on it. <laughs> you make a podcast. You know how you know there's just a uh, an edit podcast button, right? That's right. That's it. It's that easy. Get on it. <laughs> All right, man. It was really good to talk to you. Thanks for taking you the too. time. My pleasure. Right. We'll talk again. All right, man. See ya. Bye. Okay, I want to thank Ben Wright again for taking the time to work this out with me. Again, check out his podcast, Bluegrass Ambassadors. Uh, that last clip there was from Summer Camp 2013, where the Henhouse Prowlers played with Floodwood and Allie Crawl of Yonder uh, in the church. Uh, now, there used to be secret sets in the church, but I believe this year there was no longer any music in there. Uh, but this podcast was part two of my 2018 recap, so I'm sticking with the Hen House Crossroads set as the jam of the week. I did sneak a full song of that set earlier in the interview, which I wouldn't normally do, but I just couldn't bring myself to cut it down. Uh, and I know the recording quality from my phone is not ideal, but part of what makes these recordings cool is hearing the sounds of camp, the cheers and the shushing, etc., Uh, So here it is from the Crossroads 2018 Hen House Prowlers doing Lonesome Road. I'll be back in a month or two with more summer camp goodness for y'all. Enjoy the rest of your summer. I'll see you out there. You you all, honest to God, I was not expecting such a polite and listening audience. Uh, You all, I wish we could kiss you all. Uh, Thank you all. One last reminder, we are the Hen House Prowlers. How many of y'all this 
your first time seeing the Henhouse Prowlers? Second today. My first time seeing the Henhouse Prowlers was right over there in 2009. And then uh, they let me join the band for four years. So you too. So you too in a couple years time could be a Henhouse Prowler. Thanks for listening.